Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. All right, I know you want to get to the podcast, so I'm going to keep this short. Opera Box Score needs your donation to retain its title as America's talk radio show about opera. You can give on our website, operaboxscore.com slash donate. When you throw even 10 bucks our way, it helps us promote the show to more listeners. Just 20 bucks helps cover our website costs. Chip in 50 bucks and we can pay to wax Tobias's back. But for real, please consider a donation of any amount to help us continue to bring you our hot takes on everything opera-related. Operaboxscore.com slash donate. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Hey, wherever you are... However you're listening, welcome to America's Talk radio show about opera, period. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, joined this week by creative consultant Oliver Camacho and co-hosts Tobias Wright and Matt Cummings. We're live on WNUR 89.3 FM, Evanston, Chicago. Now look, you want your voice heard, right? 847-866-WNUR is our number in studio. What's your opinion on what we're talking about tonight? We got a lot to talk about, a lot to catch up on from last week. Call us live on air, 847-866-9687. We're also streaming live, wnur.org slash pop up. All right, tonight we get you ready for the holidays. We reveal some of our favorite holiday opera items, plus a few things that we'd rather just leave off our Christmas and Hanukkah lists. But first... The biggest story of 2017 continues. Conductor James Levine, who was accused by four different men of sexual abuse and who has since been suspended from his position as music director emeritus at the Metropolitan Opera, has now spoken publicly about these accusations. We'll tell you what's surprising about his statement. Plus, later, it's the two-minute drill. You get all your opera headlines from the past week and our hot takes on them. we got a full house tonight. Let's go, uh, we'll go oldest, youngest. Oliver Camacho, how are you? That's <laughs> so rude. Savage. <laughs> I'm great. And I'm so excited about the Olympics because they're gay. <laughs> <laughs> the Winter Olympics especially. Yes. That's pretty true. That would be Matt Cummings chortling about the Olympics. Yeah, I'm cutting in line. Hi, everyone. Sorry, Toby. <laughs> Who's older? Definitely me. Definitely Toby. I just turned, tw- I just turned 29. Aww, this is my birthday. So this is my birthday episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tobias Wright, it's your birthday episode, huh? Yeah. Yes. So, drinks on me? Drinks well, for me? Yeah. Sure, we could do drinks after the show. <laughs> that's, 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 During the show? No, that's, that's we get slapped on the wrist for that. But, um, well, it's just great to have, man, a full, I don't I think this, this is the first time. Party. Well, Full House would be five, I guess. Yeah. Um, but this would be a um, four of a kind. Four. We'll call it four of a kind. Yeah. Hey, the Bears finally won last Hardly weekend, though, by so. the way. They did. Uh, nobody, so did the Chiefs. Nobody. Chiefs also snapped a, a skid of some sort as well. Yeah, they lost like five of six or six of seven. It was pretty awful. Steelers continue their winning ways. Man. Yeah, I heard it was a nail-biter last night, though. I wasn't able to watch, but I saw all the stressful statuses from my friends back home. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, that, did that make you uh, stressed out, too? or? Well, I already knew the ending by then, so it was just pretty fun. But I'm sure everyone in Pittsburgh was freaking out. That's what they call... Schadenfreude? No. All right, let's talk some opera. Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. 
Abba Box Score WNUR 89.3 FM number in the studio 847-866-9687. We're following up from a big story last week. This was the big story of 2017, and it came just days before we rung in the new year. Michael Rice on the show last week. That was awesome, Oliver, for getting him on. I know. What a, what a great scoop. Well, that's not really a scoop. A coup. What? Yeah. I was going to say, Michael yeah. Rice is not a scoop. Yeah. He might be a coup. Yeah. We, or another word ending him. in P. Yeah. A lollipop. But a funny thing is, like, he didn't know that you were cutting his mic. So, like, we went to commercial after the James Levine bit, and he was ready to talk about all the other segments. So yeah, I, I just, blew it on yeah. that. I so now we have to have him back on. Yeah, yeah. well, we will. We will. We'll get him, we'll get him back on. So, um... James Levine has replied to these accusations and he said, quote, as understandably troubling as the accusations noted in recent press accounts are, they are unfounded. As anyone who truly knows me will attest, I have not lived my life as an oppressor or an aggressor, end quote. I think a lot of people would probably beg to differ with that statement. Furthermore, uh, the Illinois... This was in Lake Forest, I guess it was, because um, it was connected with Ravinia. Uh, Levine is not going to face criminal charges, Illinois prosecutors said on Friday before the weekend. That was one of the accusers alleged that he had been abused whilst at Ravinia. That's why there is the Illinois connection. So, guys, what gives here? Who's telling the truth? What's the next step? I mean, what both of these stories have in common to me, I think, is that they are they're it's a very legalistic reading of what's going on right now. Uh, his Levine statement to me seems very, very carefully worded by his publicist to make sure that it, it like words like unfounded don't really pop up outside of courtrooms and then courtroom dramas. So I, it doesn't really hold a lot of water with me. And the fact that he is escaping with no charges from, if you read the rest of the reports, it's mostly because Back then, the age of consent was 16, which is when the the accuser says the uh, the contact started. So that that so doesn't sounds, necessarily make it okay, even though it wasn't technically illegal by the letter of the law. Exactly. So in terms of the Illinois case, it sounds like Levine is getting off on a technicality with some very good legalese help. Yeah, that, but also the statute of limitations must have expired by now for any of those oh, things. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so. I don't even know how long you can, how long you have to like file a complaint. I'm like sure that, it's so. disgracefully short, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he did not commit a crime. No collusion. Well, the <laughs> how, however, the but <laughs> the really. but the Metropolitan Opera's independent independent investigation is still going on. The Met had hired a lawyer to examine this uh, separately. This is the the Mueller. Of the net, <laughs> essentially. I mean, the parallels, God. I said this last week. The parallels between Levine and the Met and Mueller in the White House are just shockingly close. Uh, but that investigation is still ongoing. And look, the bottom line is James Levine is not conducting at the Met. Will right. he return or not? Oh, I don't think at this point he can return. No. I think if the damage has already been done, so even, you know, legally, if he doesn't face any criminal charges, I mean, he's got to be done at the Met. The outcry would be... I, loud amongst the the artists in the business who you know are now coming forward <clears throat> with other allegations of sexual assault that we know that have been going on elsewhere. Um, so I think his time at the Met is for sure done. Um, I wasn't at all surprised actually to hear that uh, there weren't going to be charges from the Lake Forest Police. Um, it was so long ago, but 
you know, the in the court of public opinion, the damage has already been done. And rightfully so, I think. You know, with four, I obviously, I mean, I guess innocent until proven guilty. But if that many people come forward with such similar stories from such vastly different times and places, you have to, you know... And that is still true in terms of his le- in terms of his legal standing. I mean, he's not going to prison based on these accusations, but, right? Exactly. But he it, the the outcry if the Met were to invite him back would, would be, I, I agree with Toby, would be outrageous. I mean, I mean, would be out outrageously loud and rightfully so mm-hmm. because they're already facing such a difficult trial in terms of their courting their own like uh, maneuvering this crisis, considering it's very likely. That at least someone there knew about it, and men, and probably many someone's have known about it. Certainly, that question has not been answered yet. Which is, what did the Met know, and when? What did Peter Gelb know, and when? We do know that they waited over a year to act on the police report from the Lake Forest Police that was given to the Met. Uh, a whole year went by before any sort of trigger was pulled on that. Uh, look, in the age of social media, and and one of uh, it was someone in, in marketing or publicity that was connected to this um, said, look, in the age of social media, the truth will ultimately come out. There is really no way to hide from anything anymore. So it's it seems to me to be just a matter of time. Opera box score, WNUR 89.3. I'm following up on the James Levine story from last week. We talked about this on the show last week, and I asked Michael Rice, does the hiatus of James Levine, and, and as we agreed on the show now, he's not going to return to the Met. Does that ultimately cause damage to the Met? Does that ultimately destroy the Met? What What's the future of the Met now? What are you guys thinking a week after this big story has broken? You know, it's interesting because I think, what do we see? We see our social media platforms that we are on. Um, yeah, we're in a bubble because we're like surrounded by singers. Like every other person on my feed is a singer. Is know? a singer, um, or if you're on Twitter, it's not. I guess to me, it doesn't seem like the outcry is the is. It's not against the Metropolitan Opera. It is against the man himself who is facing the accusations. And so that to me is a positive sign uh, for the longevity of the Met. Because ultimately, we want the Met to be successful. We want it to be this. Um, a titan of opera houses and we wanted to do d- good productions and hire the best singers. We're all rooting for that. Um, but what I would say is actually in and amongst all the other accusations that are going on in the world and that are visible on Twitter and on Facebook, um, it hasn't seemed to me like it's been a massive deal. Yeah, I don't know if anyone really knows in terms of this whole movement where the chips are going to end up falling in right. terms of the people who have who are being accused and the people who are coming forward to accuse them. It, there is definitely no consensus about what sorts of steps should be taken in terms of, uh, in terms of what to do about their legacies and their work. I mean, you can talk, I think a pretty apt comparison at this point would be Woody Allen, who is still really held up and lauded, but you know, well, look at what happened to a Prairie home companion with Garrison Keillor, like you cannot find a Prairie Home Companion on the web- internet anymore. Like they scrubbed it. Like if really? you go, yeah, if you go to the Prairie Home website, okay, they got rid of the archives of Garrison Keillor's shows, huh. and now they're they're not even calling it Prairie Home Companion anymore. Like it's calling. I don't think they even came up with a name. It's like the Chris Thiele show now, you know, which I'm happy about because I love Chris Thiele. But they got rid of some of the best bits, like the powdered milk biscuits, 
and the opening song, um, which is one of my favorite songs. I love hearing that song every week. It's gone now. And uh, I wonder like how the Met is going to scrub their history because so many 25 plus years, you know, um, right. of Try 40. Them, 40 years. Yeah, of them attaching their wagon to James Levine. And like they're really, they're, they're, like you said, their legacy is entwined, you know, with his career. All the singers he brought on, you know, all the productions that he led, you know, the repertoire choices, all those things are because of him. And you go into, you know, the Met Opera House and you see those walls of pictures and stuff like that. So much of that has to do with his contribution to the, the company. So. Yeah, there was a big article in New York Magazine about that by uh, by Justin Davidson, who was really saying that it's going to be hard for them to extricate themselves from the situation, considering he was such a big engine for fundraising. He was, and, and on top of all of that, uh, on top of all of the artistic stuff. And I do think that one smart choice that they have made recently is by trying to engage an energetic new music director who can really can take ownership of it with Yannick Nézé-Séguin in that I mean it remains to be seen how much he'll be tested by the job but using charisma he is charismatic without having the same kind of cult of personality as James Levine and I think that that is part of what got them into this trouble and so I'm not really I'm not really ready to ring the funeral bell yet because there's two different funerals here. There's the James Levine funeral. Yeah, which, that one is really which, that ship has sailed. Yeah, that ship has sailed exactly. The que- it's going to come down to are other people at the Met going to be implicated? If they are, that company is going to be rebuilt and restructured. Is that a bad thing or not? That's a different conversation. But if there is no underlying problem here with Peter Gelb or with his administration, there's no reason to think that that the Met is going to collapse. You know, it, it could it's not gonna be business as usual, but like the company will continue. So I was anxious to get into my car on Saturday and turn on the Met broadcast. Um I think they had planned to play Hansel and Gretel. That was what the the ads were for, but then when I got into my car, it was already past twelve, they were playing Magic Flute instead. So mm-hmm. I assume I don't know this for a fact. I should have done my research, but I assume that the handsome Gretel performance, maybe Levine was conducting and they had decided we need to put something else on the radio for it was like a it was a um, you know, season broadcast. It wasn't like a live from the Met thing. Well as so. as Matt asked, it's like how do you start the the scrubbing process and certainly by the recordings and the archival recordings, you just you don't play them and you just don't Use that eliminates twenty five hundred different performances. If you <laughs> yeah. think about that, yeah. Well, I'm not saying it's easy. Serious radio. Now your Met subscription is worth nothing. <laughs> hey, they should pick up Opera Box Score. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's tweet at them. <laughs> National syndication. It is Opera Box Score on WNUR eighty nine point three FM. We got a lot more show coming your way after the break. Oliver, Tobias, Matt, and I sit around the fire, pour ourselves a. Non-alcoholic, Matt. Hmm. Hot toddy. And we're going to get you ready for the holidays. <laughs> I like that he said that's, Matt. That's yeah, t- like I'm the only Tobias's one who's, birthday. who's disappointed by that. <laughs> Find out what's on our opera Christmas lists. It's Opera Box Score on WNUR 89.3. Live from Chicago. You're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. 
Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Whether you're allergic to opera or you're a devoted fan, our show is for you. We tackle the week's opera headlines and body slam them into a sports radio setup. The result, 60 minutes of play-by-play analysis, exclusive interviews, and scandalous opinions. Plus the heroes, villains, and stats from this crazy art form that we love and love to complain about. Join us for Opera Box Score Monday nights at 9 on WNUR. Opera Class. Sports Radio Crass. This is Opera Box Score. That's what you're listening to on WNUR. George Cedarquist in the house along with Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Matt Cummings. We're getting ready for Christmas, Hanukkah. Any Kwanzaa celebrators in here? Hmm. I've been learning a lot about Kwanzaa, actually. It's a fascinating <laughs> holiday. It has really great music. That's what we're here to discuss right why, now. What uh, is why are you on learning about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I need more information. You can't just pass stuff off like that and then go. Well, you, one of the other many things that I do to make a living is I teach early childhood music. And in the school system, we really spread the love evenly between Christmas, Hanukkah, and Kwanzaa. That's awesome. And so I've been listening to music from all those different cultures, different languages... Uh, even though I only celebrate two of those three, which is still above 50%. Hmm. I just want to point out, this is the uh, first time I've ever done a show with Matt, and it's a pleasure to be in the studio with you, Norm. Mm. You look beautiful. Even though we're through a glass window. <laughs> <laughs> so close, but so, so far. So many tenors so here. You're outnumbered by tenors. <clears throat> we should have planned to do a carol, like a three-part carol, you know, like a three tenors Christmas, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of the three tenors Christmas stuff is awful. But they ha- I thought about sending some of that in for this. Well, what, for this next segment, let's go, George. Well, I was going to say, what what is on your Christmas listening list, Tobias? Oh, man. I, Hot seat. Are we talking about what I what's going to be on the show here or in my real life? I'm talking about right now. Baby. Okay, great. So I sent two clips, and actually these are beautiful. The first one is a guy named David Phelps, and he's and <laughs> Matt knows what I'm talking I'm about. Breathing heavily in <laughs> anticipation. It's, it's unbelievable. So he's not really an opera singer per se. He does sing opera. Um, this particular video though is on YouTube. It's of him singing "Oh Holy Night," and it starts, you know, it starts calmly enough, and you're like, "Oh, this guy's got a very nice voice," and he's kind of crooning a little bit. And then you get to, I don't know, like the three and a half minute mark and you're like, holy cow. And it just goes insane. And I think at one point, so for some of our listeners who are not maybe the biggest opera fans, uh, for a tenor to sing a high C, that's like, that's where, that is the pinnacle. That is the the highest note usually that's written um, in dramatic opera. Yes, there are, there are exceptions to this norm, I know. I call, I call Matt norm, I'm sorry. It's a long story. Um, <laughs> but in this particular Oh Holy Night, David Phelps, squelts out like an E-flat, and it is ridiculous, and it's gorgeous, and I love it, and it makes me happy, and I listen to it every Christmas, and I sing it in my house when my roommates aren't home, and sometimes <laughs> I'm not wearing Sometimes when we are. Yeah, okay. I can, oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, sometimes I don't wear clothes when I do it. Anyway, it's fantastic. Uh, Matt, can you get a video of this for us <laughs> to share? It's <laughs> playing. <laughs> And 
shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we let all within us praise his holy I always feel like that arrangement was done by like List or Rachmaninoff. The pianist is just going crazy. <laughs> done by Liberace, dude. Oh man! How long am I gonna hear the sea? Hold on, it's coming. Let it keep going, George. Yes. get so happy when I hear that, but I love it. <laughs> I th- is that ridiculous enough? I mean, that, I that was that was filmed at your church, right, that Toby? Is bomb. <laughs> if you if you watch that video, there are all kinds of little done up church ladies just raising one hand very primly <laughs> but solemnly, like praise him. Yes, yes, praise, praise him, the Lord. <laughs> oh man, anyway, he's pretty fly a... for a white guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, so let's s- just put it out there though that that's not operatic singing. I I said that. Okay, yeah, it's this just is, some this of the most is like incredible theater technique. Yes. And it's impressive. And like he has it found is... a part of his voice that's really exciting, you know. But... Yeah, and you can actually find him singing legitimate opera stuff. Yeah. And it is, he accesses a totally yeah. different sound. I just think that that's some of the most yeah. stupidly impressive singing yeah. I've it's ever It's got heard. a really nice tone on top. Yeah. It's, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, some of that tone you. Oh, not you know, Juan Diego Flores has sort of a reedy voice. And like, it wouldn't be a far stretch to, for him to just go a little bit more, you know, forward place, you know, to get more of an operatic sound, you know. I, George, I don't know if you could see me through the, through I, the glass. I could you see the glass. I'm was, trying uh, to wipe my eyes. <laughs> I was uh, pretty excited during that. <laughs> David Phelps, right? That's the, that's yes. the artist. He, he's not on opera bass, just so you know. Um, but that's fine. <laughs> At least George we checked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Toby, we might get to swing back uh, to you, but um, we're going to uh, move along here and, and let someone else have a turn. Okay. On there. Let, let's go to Oliver. Oh, What's a, what's something on your Christmas listening list, Oliver? Well, are we talking list, about Oliver? listening or talking about like the community of opera? L- let's let's do let's do listening okay. first, yeah, and and, and tie well, it into your clip. In in keeping with bombastic, uh, one of my favorite Christmas traditions is listening to Jesse Norman's 1987 concert from the Ellie Cathedral. Uh, she actually made a recording of this. I think it's called "This Christmas Tide," and you can get that on Spotify or purchase it, whatever. And they wrote a carol. I mean, somebody wrote a carol for her called "This Christmas Tide." It's an amazing song. But also in this concert, Jesse Norman sings "Oh Holy Night." And please go to the YouTube's and find the video of Jesse Norman singing uh, "Oh Holy Night" with a boys' choir and an orchestra. And it's a. It starts off very beautiful. It sounds very classical. But then all of a sudden, like in the third verse or whatever, it becomes like a war cry like the full orchestra comes out the 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 it goes from being like this french melody to being like 
really like something you would expect to hear at like at the Olympics or something like that. It's so amazing. And I found out she's only singing a high A at the end, but it sounds like she's like It's probably the biggest high A that's <laughs> yeah, ever been. Exactly. And you know, you can just imagine like her nostrils flaring and like her jaw dropping all the way down to the ground and she tilts her head ever so slightly back and as so you could see like up her nose. She's you know? probably dressed up like a Christmas tree too. Like it's <laughs> yeah. fine. It's so she, well, opera. It is it is opera, you know. <laughs> she's wearing a Jesse Norman, that's for sure. Yeah. Well yeah. let's listen to the original song that's on this uh, concert called This Christmas Tide. I think it's like in the form of a rondo and there's like a gajillion verses. We're gonna hear a couple of the interior verses so you can hear her transition from like croony carolly to like complete opera diva. So this is the amazing thing about Jesse Norman. 
is that you never know what that crap she's gonna sing. Like she, she just comes up with these like descants and cadenzas and things like that, which they might not even be in the right key. And like she goes for these ornaments. Like what was that? Sometimes she nails it. It's like and it's amazing. And sometimes it's just weird. But that is, if you should watch this video, it's a magical moment because she's just going for something. And who knows what it is and if it's even close to what was transcribed for her, you know. But it's just amazing because she goes for it, you know. I would love to interview one of the boy choir members who was in that concert and just get their reactions. Hot takes 20 years later. What was it like? With Jesse Norman. Being in the choir at Ely Cathedral. We don't get, I mean, like, who is our personality right now that is just a bat poop crazy singer, you know, that just does amazing things that sometimes work and sometimes doesn't. That definitely sounded like a song that Renee Fleming would sing. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but she's not crazy in the same way, though, you know? And she has a very different dress sense. Like, Jesse Norman, like, you know it's Jesse Norman because she's basically wearing, like, a moo-moo. Sometimes it's just the French flag (laughs) (laughs) when she's singing La Marseillaise. She does whatever she can do whatever she wants. Like it must be nice. So I have to say, like when I was coming through the ranks as a student, like there was sort of like an inside, not an a joke about her and like how just how like bombastic and you know largesse, you know about her, just her bigness, you know generally her bigness. But now as like an older, more seasoned, you know trying to be kinder and thinking about people's careers like i am in awe of what she has done and the choices that she made and she tried to sing if she has a uh, an album of singing michelle legrand and like you know gershwin songs which is completely inappropriate for her but (laughs) she loved it and she wanted to do it and gosh darn it she sold records back then you know when she sings when you watch that youtube video you could fit a grapefruit into her mouth (laughs) and she could still be breathing normally yeah incredible great choice it's opera box score on wnur we're talking about christmas listening lists christmas wish lists a lot of christmas and general holiday cheer matt cummings it's over to you What's on your listening list this time of year? So I picked something that's from another one of my favorite, uh, perhaps slightly over-the-top Christmas concerts. And this is from the Carnegie Hall Christmas recital with uh, Kathleen Battle, and Frederica von Stade, and uh, Wynton Marsalis on the yeah. trumpet. And they do these two awesome medleys. One of them is called American Carols, even though not a single carol that they sing in it is American. They're all French or British. So I don't know why they named it that. But the other one is American Songs, which is a, a medley of a bunch of spirituals. And they end it with Go Tell It on the Mountain. And it is just... It's so sassy and really fun, and it's a little bit over the top, but yeah. it's buttoned down enough that you can tell that they're really with it instead of kind of sounding four square classical music y. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And everywhere 
Winton. Play it, baby. I know. He is so good on it. And Frederica von Stade is one of my absolute favorite singers. And her, her tone is so spicy and interesting. She always keeps me engaged. Kathleen Battle can be hit or miss, but I feel like that uh. was a hit. <laughs> and I did check to make sure that Andre Previn was conducting that and not um, someone else who often worked <laughs> with Kathleen Battle before I played it on the show tonight. But... It keeps going like that for another two minutes, and it may, like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and it's so much fun. Federica Donchata, she is wearing a dress that does actually look like a Christmas tree. In well, this was like the play. late late early nineties or something. And like that, as yeah. for the, the Kathleen Battle shoulder pads, like you need like takeoff clearance to wear a dress. They're, 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 like her that. sleeves are the size of basketballs. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's insane. Wow, it just yeah. That is one of my favorite recordings too, and they that. sing like the. Uh, evening hymn or whatever yeah. from from uh, Hansel and Gretel, and uh, though they do Jesu Bambino, uh, Jesu Jesu Bambino, yeah. yeah, it's a good concert. I love that concert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have an opera clip either. Actually, I'm into Bias's camp, but I I do like welcome. some soul. No, it's not Balcom. Actually, no, I'm, I said welcome. Oh, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to my, welcome to my camp, George. Come on, <laughs> they said Balcom. Uh, William Balcom. He did write Christmas carols, of course. Uh, no, I I like to to funk it up and groove it up a little bit. I think you're going to recognize this singer. Probably, you're definitely going to know this song. This is a hymn as well. Sometime called the Black National Anthem. Lift every voice and sing is the name of this hymn. Uh, check it out. I got something in my bones Make me want to shout hallelujah And I want to sing Sing on Is from a Ray Charles Christmas mm. album. He can sing as high as any of those ladies. That song sounds so different when it's not sung by a children's choir. It's which very is how true. you almost always hear it. Very true. It's too bad that's in the studio as well. It's a little too contained for my taste when it's. Uh... Just out of curiosity, how come the quality of that recording sounds so much better than the Jesse Nyman recording? Did you get it from YouTube? That recording is because I own the album, dude. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I got it free, I think, actually. I feel like you put your tape recorder right up to the computer screen for my Jesse Norman clip, so <laughs> <laughs> they had yes. to they had to move the mics back pretty far or she would swallow them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's Go exactly find it on Spotify true. people or for the love of God, buy something. Music should not be free, as Herbie Hancock yeah. once said to me. 
to you? Herbie Hancock said it to you? <laughs> well, he said it to like me and 1,999 okay. other people in the okay. room. But yeah, he was he, he was, was kind of looking to you. Yeah, he knew. He's a weird guy. By he the way, he knew you had the power of the radio. It was a great show. So hey, um, message, so. if we were going to talk about things that were on our Christmas or our our wish lists that have to do with opera, what's something that you are like wishing for that you want to? change about opera that you want to have that has to do with opera. And here's I'll go first to give you guys time to think. Here's what's on my Thank Christmas <laughs> wish list. I wish every time I wrote an email to somebody in the opera business and administration that they would write back every time. That would be my wish cuz I don't think it's That's that more hard. of a selfish wish than a than like a wish for like the He can opera have a community. selfish wish. Yeah, okay. Dude if Christmas You're just is, asking for jobs. Not asking for We're jobs. All no. Asking. I, all I'm saying all I'm saying is show me that you're alive, show me that you got it. You can write back and be like, I don't have time to talk to you. You can write back but to are be the like the people you're writing to do they know you? Yes. Yes. Okay. Every okay. every person I write to, I have given up writing to people I've not met in person okay. for the very reason that you are suggesting okay. subtextually is that why should they write back if they haven't met me in person? Okay. But if you met me in person, man, come on. You got to you got to you got to write back. That's what's on my wish. Be list. nice to the people on the way up. Did you see the same they'll be there on the way back down. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, exactly. yeah, who yep. said who said that? I don't know. Oh, Herbie Hancock. Herbie Hancock. Yeah. He said, <laughs> he it, said to it to me. Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who else has got something on I, there? I have something that's list. not so about me. <laughs> That's a surprise, Oliver. Be nice to the people on the way up, Oliver. <laughs> okay, so I was thinking about this, and I'm going to stretch it out so that Matt and Toby can prepare their own. We'll, um, t- we'll take you, you go. We'll yeah. take a break, and then okay. we can come back. So I want, first of all, I want Chicago Opera Theater to do well. Uh, I really wish them so well because they have the new female director coming up. They, you know, female music director, female music director, okay. yeah, and they parted ways with Andres Mitasek. And this is a company that, uh, you know, kind of has been struggling to find its identity um, with the past leadership. And um, they fill a space in the Chicago opera community that's very important. And they are consciously trying to use Chicago-based singers. And there's a lot of them. You know, there are a lot of great singers in Chicago. For example, just out of nowhere, I'm going to tell you, I heard this tenor named Joe Shaddy. Joe Shaddy or Joe, Mm -hmm. you know, if you heard of him? Okay. Anyway. Oh, I've sung gigs with him. Okay. Yeah, he's really good. I, I heard him for the first time yesterday or this I weekend. I believe he's married to Caitlin Lee. Yeah, yes. he is. Okay. And uh, here's like a tenor who I was like, what an amazing tone quality. Like just beautiful tone quality. And like I usually get bored with tone quality, but it was so thoroughly beautiful that I want to listen to him sing more and more, you know. And Chicago. And like I have not seen him on the stage of COT. Maybe he has been. I don't know. But like, you know, he'd be a great person for Chicago to say this is one of ours, you know. Also, I want the smaller companies that are the next level beneath COT, like your Chicago Fringes and your et cetera's, you know. I want them to have more of a collaborative spirit, and I want them to understand that it's not a competition, you know, that we are sharing an audience, and let's share marketing, or let's share uh, ideas, let's share costumes, let's share resources in some way, let's create a list of our patrons and put them together and look at each other's calendars and make sure that we're not cannibalizing each other's audiences and really figure out a way to, you know, there is a a thirst for new music in Chicago. And it seems to be these companies that are mostly capitalizing on that, you know, 
let's everybody get together and figure out a way to to be a real community in Chicago and be the leaders in America for how you can have like this other this like C level circuit, you know, of um, small opera companies working together and producing great work and, you know, really being smart about how to share audiences. That's what I want for the Chicago opera scene. Love it, dude. I have nothing to add to that. I think that's a uh, fantastic wish. And actually, I think it's pretty doable. Yep. I think it's pretty achievable. Totally doable. It would take yeah. some work, but I, th I think the benefits would be very far reaching. It's going to take some smart people, though, to like make those things happen because all of these companies don't have admin, you know? And so we need to figure out who has enough body, you know, like just hours to devote to, to something like mm -hmm. that, you know? Mm -hmm. and, to become uh, the Chicago Opera Czar. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. We're going to step aside for one second on Opera Box Score. When we come back, it'll be over to Tobias Wright and Matt Cummings to share what's on their Christmas opera wish list. We're going to get the two-minute drill into our show as well. And, of course, good call, bad call. we got a lot more coming up. Stick around, WNUR 89.3 FM. Live. From Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Give me 60 more seconds of your time so I can share a secret with you. When I tell people about Opera Box Score, they always ask, how come we're a live talk radio show, not just a podcast? The answer? We want to give listeners like you the chance to call into our show and have your opinion heard live on air. It's easy. Stream our show live on WNUR.org slash pop-up on Mondays at 9 p.m. Central Time. Then give us a call during the broadcast with your take on what we're talking about. The number, 847-866-WNUR. Wait, do people even have letters on their phones anymore? 847-866-9687. Talk to you later. Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. That's what you're listening to, WNUR 89.3 FM. George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Matt Cummings getting ready for the holidays. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. I didn't forget Kwanzaa. It's just, just, just a dramatic pause. That's mm. all. All right. So um, we got a, a few more minutes for. Christmas holiday wish list. Wish yeah, what's going to be in our stocking when we get exactly. up? Exactly. What's it going to be, boys? <laughs> Matt and Tobias, what do you got? One thing that's really been uh, coming up again and again with all of these, you know, going back to our first segment and all of the all of these all of the falls from grace of people who have been abusing the their reckoning. Power. Yeah, and rightfully so. And I think that <laughs> one thing that would be really beneficial for the opera world at this point is to open itself up to more. Uh, more diverse voices in its positions of power. Mm. I think that it is way past time for there to be more women, more non-white people up at the top of these companies and conducting and really getting to make choices and have their voices heard in terms of picking the repertoire, interpreting the repertoire, creating the repertoire. It's it it it's the 21st century, and uh, music always lags behind other movements in terms of literature and art with what it's doing in, in, in with the times, but I th that's not going to happen by itself, and I think it's time, a high time for those voices to really 
be highlighted so that I we can get. I couldn't with the agree picture. with you, Mar. Older white men with the best hearts and wills in the world in positions of power in opera companies are still not going to make that change happen. It it has to be it has to be done by the people who are the most affected by it. It has to be done by those minority voices, whatever that minority is, sexual, racial, oh. gendered, okay. age-wise. It has to be done in that way. Tobias, did you have something on your... I did. I, you know, it's actually kind of going to piggyback off of Matt, what Matt was saying. I am looking forward to um, the voices that are going to come from our generation of singers. So there's a younger generation that's starting to grow, and I think that I'm a part of it. These are the singers that are starting to sing at the, the B-level houses, the A-level houses, that um, I'm interested to see whose voices start to change what opera sounds like in 2018 and to see the people that are going to become the stars, the people who are then going to have the voices and the platform to use that platform for good. And that kind of goes along with what you were saying, Matt, um, and George, what you were saying, just I, I'm excited to see what our generation starts to do moving forward because we're at we're on the verge of doing that. And so and you look at what's happening at the Met as well and the possible changing of the guard and and what is going to be uh, infused into that opera company based on what has happened. And I'm excited to see where we end up going. You know, I hope everybody gets what they want on those lists like any good so when we wake up on morning. Christmas morning, <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we're going to find happened. a bunch of people of color at, that are Toby's age, just kind of <laughs> laying there like the infant Jesus, you know, like swaddled. And How did we accidentally get all of this real wish list? <laughs> right. Exactly. And my inbox will be full of emails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just full. <laughs> Dear George, <laughs> sorry I didn't write back to you, but I heard the show and I heard what Herbie Hancock had to say. I feel really bad. <laughs> sorry I neglected you. All, all right. Let's do the two-minute drill. This just in, the two-minute drill. Time now for everything you need to know from the past week in opera land. Rarely are so many superstars gathered under one roof as the annual Richard Tucker Gala and last night's events at Carnegie Hall was no exception. Nicola Luisotti conducted the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra with soprano Nadine Sierra headlining an amazing roster of singers. John von Rhein writes in the Chicago Tribune that, quote, Turandot, Puccini's unfinished valedictory opera, bringing it to the stage, is an elaborate operatic fairy tale. But for fairy tales to really work, there must be magic and mystery the audience can believe in. And those are precisely the elements missing from the tired production at the Lyric Opera House. Opera Leipzig has canceled its new production of Wagner's Tannhäuser, which was to open in March next year, which was to be directed by Katharina Wagner, saying in a statement, quote, due to logistical challenges, it is unfortunately not possible to realize the production under the direction of Wagner as initially scheduled. Elizabeth Murdoch, daughter of Rupert Murdoch, is among seven new members of the Arts Council of England's National Council. The former head of Sky Networks last week established a £1.5 million fund for young visual artists. She's also a former trustee of the Tate Gallery in London. And on this day, it was the birthday of Hector Berlioz in 1803. That's the two-minute drill. So there you have it. Not a huge week in opera land, but the Richard Tucker... It's because everybody's off doing auditions right now. Well, yeah. that, or they're, or they're <laughs> or singing they're in, that, in that gala. Yeah. 
that was look. I don't I don't follow that particular event too closely, but I did look at, at some of the reviews and the lineup. Oliver Camacho, you were the one who sent me the link. Yeah, the lineup well, so, is crazy. So this will become uh, a PBS broadcast. Probably I think they do it in January. But it was actually broadcast on the radio yesterday from WQXR. And I heard that a couple of people were sick, so this isn't the full roster. But we had um, Anthony Roth Costanzo uh, singing. Oh, I should probably figure that out really quickly. I know I'll, that, I'll work on it. I'll figure it okay, out. Okay, no, he sang a Handel aria. Stephanie Blythe sang um, Habanera and I think also a Handel aria. Um, Nadine Sierra, who was this year's winner, I think she sang uh, Caro Nome and probably something else. I think she sang Sempre Libera, too. And right? se- yeah. Uh, for Louis. Yeah. Uh, there wa- Victoria Gogolo sang, uh, what's my call it, from Pagliacci, and some baritone sang Sipo. I forget. Um, Anthony, Anthony Clark Evans. Oh, Anthony Clark Evans. Yeah. Awesome. He was a Ryan Opera Center I. Guy. I believe Mathen, yeah. friend of the yeah, show, Mathen Mathen Black, Black was, there. was yeah. there. I asked him to come and write into us. Oh, really? And, yeah. Oh. Um, there was a tenor named Penny. So hang on, Pot- hang on one second. So you can just buy a ticket and go. You don't have yeah. to like be invited. Uh, there's space there. For I mean, I know it's Carnegie yeah. Hall. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. So. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, Penny Patsy. He and he and I were at Marilla together. Okay. Uh, I'm good. Drink, he, drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, look. He's a really a cool Katarina Semunchuk sang uh, the duet from um, from Aida. Um, but I'm getting to the the meat here. Um, Eileen Eileen Perez Eileen Perez sang the, the Wally aria, uh, but what I want to talk about is Tamara Wilson, who I understand was not well. She was sick, and she sang in Cuesta Recha, and I cannot wait to hear this performance if it comes out. Uh, on YouTube before it comes out on uh, on PBS. Oliver, but, I think the whole audio file is up on WQXR already. Already, as, okay. As an archive. Ah, well, maybe we'll, well, it's too late. Maybe we'll right. put it in the podcast. But yeah. the only thing I could f- find to play, uh, anyway, so she posed, supposedly was sick, but she supposedly killed it. From what I read, for people who were listening live and were like Facebook blogging it, she sounded incredible. Uh, and I'm really excited to hear her because I think she's an amazing singer. So let's hear her from last year's gala, uh, singing Dichtora Halle. I would be low to not mention uh, soprano Rachel Wills Sorensen and mezzo-soprano Tara Rott, who also performed, and especially Tara Rott, who, uh, if you remember from a couple years ago, was the mezzo-soprano who was shamed for being 
feminine in a production of Der Rosenkabler. There was like some critic who said that she looked too much like a woman to be believable oh, as Octavia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At, at Glyndebourne. Yeah, exactly. What a totally moronic thing to <laughs> yep. say. Yep. Oh, it was <laughs> so, it was yes. a huge to do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll put the link to that uh, QXR. QXR, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Recording That'll be a good Matt thing to do during the yeah, holidays, we'll, people. We'll, like, sit around and listen to we'll that with that, your we'll loved ones. We'll put that ones. on our website, Opera yeah. Box Score. Um, Next to the radio with, with warm socks. She she was singing from Tannhäuser, right, Yeah. just then. Yep. Yeah. How funny that that connects <clears throat> to this can, now-canceled production of um, Tannhäuser at the Oper Leipzig. supposed to be directed by Katharina Wagner, who, when you look at her behavior, she is a totally nutty woman. It does not surprise me at all that this is canceled. Hard to kind of read between the lines here, and uh, this is a a press statement put out by the opera company. Why exactly this was this is canceled, and I'm not going to get into conjecture on that one. Did any of you read Von Rhein's review? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harsh. I mean, uh, I'm not. I'm not saying Everyone. untrue or misapplied. I'm just saying I've never heard Von Rhein write with such um, snark. I guess. Do you know what I mean? By yeah, it's snark? not his style necessarily. It's, yeah. 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 I, I agree with everything he says here. I know, he, he was pretty harsh on the Carmen earlier this year, oh, too. Oh, right. Yeah. That's true. He hated on that. Well, I'm annoyed that they did the concert ending of Ness and Dorma uh, so that they could let this tenor take a, a bow. And apparently the tenor actually took a bow uh, in the middle of the third act, which I feel is... I mean, come on. It's not yeah. 1956. And, I mean, I heard the broadcast, and it didn't sound special to me. Maybe in the house it was amazing, but I feel like the audience was just kind of coaxed into, you know, they were clapping a, for Nestor. They were clapping yeah. because yeah, the piece and I gets feel like the marketing it. the marketing campaign for Turandot should be it's that song you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it I mean, it sounds like it sounds like campaign. that's what they did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. So wait, George, I have a question here. Does that mean that you're opposed to encores? I mean, if an audience really goes nuts, if a singer really sings beautifully, and like that guy would have sang his face off. I mean, are you Toby? Toby. Always leave them wanting more. Mm. You always leave them wanting more. That's I, what Herbie Hancock first, says. Uh, no. Herbie, <laughs> Herbie Hancock. <laughs> That's from Gypsy, I But it's, it, wait, is it? Yeah, or, or um, Kiss Me Kate. Anyway, I no, you always leave them wanting more. The idea of an encore or stepping out to take a bow, look, we know it's all fake anyway. We know that we're suspending our disbelief. But that sort of behavior, it makes me want to eat a gun. I have to say, mm. I don't, Put those Sexy. two behaviors in the same category. The encore and the bow? Yeah, taking a bow, I think there's no place for because that yeah, okay, is... Okay, because like a character could, in theory, say, you know what? Take it. I feel moved. I, I am going to sing this no, again. No, taking a bow no. for me what? is a total diva move, and it's, it's about the ego of the singer. An encore is because your performance got the audience so excited that they want to hear it again. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking... I mean, I'm talking about an actual... Uh, spontaneous encore not the ones that are very clearly planned ahead yes. of time it's oh, oh you clapped for 30 seconds time to do amazing me again <laughs> <laughs> just to prove that i can sing 18 high seasons i would love to nine, i would but... love 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 to be in an audience that was so moved by someone's performance that we begged them that we to demanded do it again. an encore that we said oh my god that yeah. was so transcendent please Share it with me again. And perhaps, I mean, maybe it, maybe then it loses effect. I don't know. I actually think it would enhance it, to be completely no, honest. It would lose, it would lose effect. I, 
I, you know, I've never been that moved at a show and I've cried. I've like got, I've had goosebumps, but never to the point where I was like, please do it again. But I think that'd be fantastic. But the taking a bow thing, you have to kind of wonder. I, we're getting away from the actual point of this, which is the review, which wasn't that great. But the bow doesn't sound to me like it was the singer's idea. No, of course not. If they did the concert ending of the aria and didn't go on, because that aria doesn't end, it goes right into right. the right. scene, you know. So that Some behavior had been out. set up in yeah. the rehearsal, yeah. or yeah, Jeez. which lets you know it's it's a yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I have to say, reading this reading this review, it was ex- it was everything that I feared would happen when I heard they were doing Torrendo because it's not an easy opera to do nowadays. Mm. Yeah, beyond the fact that it's not finished and the ending is quite awkward. Yeah, just it it. It's very out of touch with what people are looking for in opera. There, there, none of the characters I think are that interesting. A lot of the music is beautiful, but it's uh, kind of at what cost is that mm, presented? Yeah. And you actually have to work with the material to get something that's not just you know a big pageant. Well, I would say well, that act, act two of this opera is Puccini's best. Like it's, right, but that's it's only twenty five minutes. Yeah. The the riddle scene and Inquisitor mm-hmm. Edja. The re- the rest of it does. I I think it does it doesn't. Yeah, Ping, Ping, and Pong are pretty problematic. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot problematic about that. And as a director, wow, Von Ryan says, quote, the traffic cop in charge, revival (laughs) director Rob Kierling. That's... uh, I'm. I'm not saying that's. He brought out his Rita Skeeter voice. Well, so I'm not saying that that's misappropriated though. Like maybe that's all that poor guy's job was was to like move his choristers and supernumeraries around the stage. Maybe he didn't have any more leeway than that. I. I. I can't deny that. But it's a very problematic piece. Um. Hey, look. Let's um. Let's wrap this show up. Good call. Bad call. On Opera Box Score. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Joyous Kwanzaa is the correct greeting. Ah, Now we know. Did Herbie Hancock tell you that too? Uh, No, dude. Herbie doesn't celebrate holidays. He's just always jamming with his band. Uh, Any good calls or bad calls this week? Um, this weekend, for those of you who are in Chicago, is like the battle of the choruses. Like, there's no—I well, mean, there's Torrent. You can go see that, but like all the choruses do their, you know, their Christmas shows this weekend, and there's also some Messiahs to go see. So, if you want to go hear some singing, there's plenty of stuff to go hear. Go, go support your local choral organization. Well, don't guilt me into that. Uh, <laughs> the other show you want to support is my son and I saw it at Chicago Shakespeare Theater. Yesterday, it's the Q Brothers Christmas Carol. The Q Brothers are a Chicago institution. They are best known for making hip-hop adaptations of Shakespeare plays. Did they do the Bombity of Errors? They did the Bombity of Errors. I love the Bombity of Errors. I saw the Bombity of Errors in 2002 in London, and I actually met these guys, and I hung out with them for a while, (laughs) and they're awesome. And you've got to go see their uh, hip-hop rap adaptation of A Christmas Carol. It's great. Also, big shout-out for... One of our donors, Oliver's biggest fans, is how they signed their letter. They know who they are. I need my Facebook money back. Thank you so much for that donation. (laughs) Hey, that's it for this week's edition of America's Talk radio show about opera. The general manager at WNUR is Nick Anderson. Our announcer is Norm Waddell. Visit Norm on the web at voxershorts.com, V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. 
On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. Be sure to share and comment on our posts. On Twitter, we're at Opera Box Score. And you can leave a review when you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For co-hosts Tobias Wright and Matt Cummings, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera with your chestnuts roasting on an open fire. We're back next Monday at 9 p.m. Central with our 100th episode. And to celebrate, we're welcoming back all of our past regular co-hosts. Join us for the family reunion and for a look back at the first 100, count them, 100 episodes of America's talk radio show about opera. This is WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago. Chicago Sound Experiment.